Welcome back to another episode of Glory Reds FC Podcast. You joined with myself, D, and of course, our co-host, Benito. What's good, my guy? Pastor D, what's happening, my guy? Yeah, man, chilled vibes, chilled vibes. You know, at least this week, our hearts at ease. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since we've gone out of the game week. <laughs> Feeling some sort of ease. Feeling some sort of relief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. after the game week, it's always tense. You know, there's, there's frustration. You yeah. know, there's anger because we lost and we didn't do this right and everything. And although we had our little rant session, you know, for the post-match review against um, Brentford, yeah. uh, at least we managed to get a win out of that game. At least we somehow... Something positive came out of that game, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So, hey, I guess, yeah. You know, just, it's it's funny, you know, with Scott McTominay's winner, mm. it, it kind of like, took, it took me back to COVID on 2020, COVID, COVID times, just the game before COVID when we played City, in the City Derby. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Scott, and Scott McTominay produced that, 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 that screamer. You yeah. Know, he, we ended on a high. You know, yeah. so it was kind of reminiscent of that time. Yeah. But um, again, we're not fooling ourselves, right? True, man. We're we, not we, fooling we, ourselves. We know the true Hollywood story of Manchester United. So we, we that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to talk more about Wagwan in the team. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, man. So with all that being said, man, where, where do you want us to start? Like, should we talk about the manager? Should we talk about the team? Um, should we talk about certain players? You know, what do you want us to tackle first? Um, the major concern that that the people, that the people, what, 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 that's on people's minds. You know, regardless of the win, I think you know where we should start from. Okay, here's an yeah. interesting one, yeah. because obviously after our win, there's been yeah. a lot of talk about Scott McTominay. You know, yeah. Scott McTominay saves the day. You yeah. know, and we had a a little call for concern. Yeah, to say like, eh, kind of now this guy has scored two goals. And as yeah. well, what does this mean for his future in the yeah. team? You know what I mean? His imminent future. Does it mean he now gets into the team? Is um, Ten Hag going to consider him more? You know, are we not going to sell him anymore? Like, you know what I mean? All those thoughts are, you know, are coming into our mind to say, like, he had a great game. He came in. He did his job. Yeah. You know, I was, I was looking at his heat map. <coughs> and he had, like, in that match, yeah. he had very little touches of the ball. You know, mm-hmm. he was like... Which is typical of Scott. Exactly. You know what I mean? So he never really had so much of a big contribution in that match apart from the goals, yeah. you know? And in all fairness, he only came in for extra time. You understand? So it's kind of understandable, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, that's like you said, that's his, his game in general. Like he's, he doesn't really receive a lot of the ball and doesn't really add so much value to the game. Um not that he's not a good player, but it's yeah. just that he doesn't right. fit into this system that Ten Hag is playing. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen after the international break? Do you think it's going to fall more in favor with Ten Hag? Like, even with the comments that Ten Hag said yeah. after the game about Scott McTominay, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Talking about, you know, the passion, the drive, the will, you know. You had all these ex-players coming and talking about Scott McTominay at Beckham, commenting on Scott McTominay. You know mm. what I mean? And that's and what this is all about. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much hype. And 
we not sound like haters. Like we, we obviously appreciate him. We applaud yeah. it, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to get lost in this, you know, Hollywood fantasy. Like, oh, Scott McTominay, yeah, he must be now a regular starter in the first eleven. You know. Mm. So, so, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, man, on this whole Scott McTominay situation that has happened? You know what it is with 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 football. It's sometimes we get carried away with moments. And in this particular instance, you can just say that there's just so many things that are adding into this good feel factor that's going on right now. Because yeah. I think we need to point out that David Beckham's documentary really touched home, especially to the, the true United supporters. They got to yeah. see something. They got to see some news and stuff about the club and how things were run back in the days that not so many people knew about, except the guys that were in, in the inner circle so you pair that with david beckham and his redemption story and then scott mctominay mind you this is a guy that came that came on against bayern munich and allowed apumakano to drag the ball all the way from the back right up until our box and he escorted him you know what i mean there were moments he came onto the pitch and he there's literally a video out there circulating of Scott McTominay not putting this passion that people are talking about. Now, yeah. here's the thing. We are not trying to um, shit on his show. You know, we're not trying to play down what he did because, believe it or not, we needed those three points. We were losing. It just came at the right time. And you know what? He got us the win. This is what we expect from every Manchester United player that comes onto that pitch. When you come on, you're not coming on there to just add numbers. You're coming on there to, to add an effect, you know, to, to, to add something into the team. And yeah. Scott McTominay did that. And we applaud him for that. We give him credit for that. But going forward, I don't see... I, I, you know what? Here's the thing again, you know, maybe that um, cameo that he made, maybe that could have been his turnaround. You know, his one Bisaka moment. You never know. Yeah. Um, but just based on history and the players that we've got in that team, playing in the positions that he should be playing, unfortunately yeah. for him, he falls down the pecking order. You know what yeah. I mean? And I am completely comfortable. And I wish this is actually spoken between the manager and the player that, listen... You see the current um, state of the, of, the, of the squad. We are plagued with injuries. And obviously, you're going to have to play a role. You know what I mean? And yeah. just based on what he did, honestly, Scott McTominay looks like a young super sub. You know, for yeah. those games where it's just difficult to crack. You know, those teams that just sit deep. We, we, we get those games a lot every season. And we've always been having a problem trying to look for players or front players who would um, unlock these defenses. You know, we even talked about Sancho, how he's good in possession play with the ball. He doesn't lose it. So we need him up front so he can have some creativity. Nah, 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 nah. You know, but the way we see United, we need more clinical people. And Scott McTominay, in a very strange and weird circumstance, he, it doesn't get better with Scott because he is very clinical. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's put aside his performance. That boy, when he's in front of the goal, he doesn't play. He's clinical. And 
that is a good attribute to have. It's a good um, trick to have under your sleeve, you know. So I would I would really appreciate Scott McTominay coming on as a super sub, you know, a player just to add energy. And we shouldn't put him in those defensive-minded duties because yeah. clearly putting him there is just going to make us pull our hair. You know what I mean? Because we get frustrated every time because he just is not aware of his position or I don't, I don't understand what happens with Scott McTominay when he gets into those positions. But one thing I can say here right now with my chest out is that Scott McTominay around that box is a problem for yeah. anybody. And the funny thing is you just don't see it coming. You assume that, ah, Scott, this lanky guy, nobody really cares about him. But that guy has got his own, you know, he's, he's locked in on something and he always puts them in. And they're always bangers, man. I don't know if you've noticed, they're always nice, come yeah. at the right moment when we actually need them. Uh, uh, surprise, you just see him left foot rocket into the top corner. It's like, whoa, Scott. And, and this is just after, like, slating him like say yeah you you what are you doing track back and then he does that you know and then he just puts you in that in that funk of like man what am i gonna do with this boy you know but nah man scott mctominay is not a starter for manchester united um he he's definitely a starter in other teams like teams that are gonna offer him the role that he seems to excel in you know for some reason at manchester united because he's tall and built and big, um, he's almost looked as a as a shield, you know, someone like, like a protector. My God, that is further from the truth. That guy lets... That, man, I, I don't even know how I can compare the way he lets people through. Like, I don't even know what the, the perfect analogy could be. But um, Scott McTominay, man, well done. Thank you for the two brilliant last-minute... Um, homage to Lady Kathy, you know, kind of goals. We appreciate them, so Alex Ferguson time. But now, nah, man, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. He is not a starter. Who who does he bench at Manchester United if yeah. we just break everything down? You know what I mean? Now, yeah. the thing that is annoying is that football these days, people tend to forget. We have this habit. And even the near the near past, sometimes people like, for example, what you're saying, the ex-players are saying, oh, Scott McTominay is this and that. And then you'll be like, okay, what, where was all this praise when he was not doing what he was supposed to be doing? You know, so I, I don't want the fans to get confused with that. It is very good to give compliments to a player because of his, his performance and credit is due. Scott McTominay's credit is due based on that yeah. game. That's as far as it goes. And we'll take it the next game and the next game and the next game. Depend on where, depending on where he's being deployed on the pitch. What he brings, we will take it from there. But he's definitely not a starter for me. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, I can 100% agree with you um, in terms of um, Scott McTominay starting for, you know, for us in the starting eleven. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there's just not well. According to how Ten Hag wants to play, it doesn't fit into that system, right? 
And because he doesn't fit into that system, um, because he doesn't fit into that system, it's very difficult for us to to see or to to know where to utilize him, yeah. you know, from the beginning of of the game. Yeah. So he's one of those players, like you mentioned, that will need to come in as uh, as a super sub, you know someone that you can deploy in, you know, when, when things are getting tough or even when we're losing the game, yeah. you know, just to sort of, you know, switch it up. You know what I mean? Try something new, bring him on. But to your point, he needs to be deployed in a position that is going to excel in. Yeah. Because Scott McTominay is not a defensive-minded player. So there's no. no point putting him in defensive-minded duties that he's not going to excel in or he's prone to, be, or he's prone to make mistakes. He's prone to make blunders and then... You know, we're attacking him for something that he's not even good at in the first place. I you mean, see? You see? he did start off his career as a striker. And yeah. unfortunately, over the years, managers, because of, like you mentioned, the way he's built and, you know, they sort of see him as this protector and this shield. Mm. And mm. that's just not him. Like, mm. he's very good in that final third of the pitch. And we need to see more of him in that role. Yeah. So I think what Ten Hag can take away from this game is that... um. He came in, he scored his two goals, you know. Ten Hag can clearly see that this is where he excels. This is where he plays his best football. So the next time he's making his substitutes, he should deploy him in that sort of a role where he's playing more up front, you know. Um, I don't know in what position, you know, obviously not in the wings, but someone who's definitely going to be involved around the the box. You know what it is? Contribute towards It's actually not even a specific position, D. Yeah. You just put him on the pitch and then you tell him that he should be just attack-minded. Like, he should just go up from... Because if you try to be specific and try and take out players, it could yeah. be, ah, you're taking out this player for this. Oh, yeah, ow. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So they just put him in. For example, they've taken out, um, let's just say, Mount or Bruno or okay. maybe Alejandro Ganacho and they've put in Scott McTominay and we still got people like Casemiro, Admirabad or yeah. whoever. Scott is in there, but then he should just be deployed up front. Like, he's to just focus on the set pieces and trying to cause mischief in the box. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I get you. Yeah. So, Ten Hag did something a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Um, he did something that a lot of us were calling for him to do, and that was to put Amrobat in the midfield with Casimiro. Yeah. So to my surprise, I was actually shocked he went ahead and did it. But at yeah. the same time, when you look at our current predicament, we had injuries. Yeah. So it's it's like he had no other option but to start him in the midfield, yeah. you know, because Varane, we got news that Varane was injured, so he couldn't start, Yeah. you know. So we unfortunately, okay, fortunately, unfortunately, we had to start Johnny Evans and we had to start Maguire, yeah. you know. Um, I think the one that probably threw me off was the Delow and Lindelof position because right. I thought Lindelof was going to be deployed on the right, the left, on the on oh, the right, the... sorry. Yes, on the right, you're correct, yes. 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 We predicted that Lindelof which should start on the right yeah. and then Delow should start on the left. Yeah. But he, he did it vice versa. He started um, Delow on the right and then he played Lindelof on the left, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, what's your opinion on how that was set up because ultimately, you know, we leaked in a goal and it's, it's, it's sort of, I don't know how to put it. It's like, it didn't really make a difference, Yeah. you know, yeah. because 
I expected, and I remember I said this mm. in the previous episode. Um, in the, in the well, in the previous previous one when we we're doing the match preview. Yeah. When I came out and said, um, if Amrobat starts in the midfield, we are bound to see a dramatic change in our play. Yeah. Because we're gonna be more involved where he's he's better playing. Yeah. In the midfield than than at the left um back position. Yeah. But somehow it looked like there was a clash between you know him and Casemiro with their attributes. Yeah. So what's our takeaway from this? Like do we just write it off as okay, this is the first time they're playing together in the midfield? You know, is this something that they can work on? Mm -hmm. Or is it or is it something that just can't work? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when when Ten Hag tried Mason Mount and Casimiro for like a numerous amount of games, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't clicking. So oh, do we give? Yeah. So do you think Ten Hag should give time for that relationship to foster? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. could it be a, a just a, a case of um, what you call this? Uh, the, the players that we had on the pitch. Like if we had a, a stronger defensive unit, if we have all the our defenders back, Mart, Martinez, um. Varane, Shaw, you know, yeah. having yeah. that solid back line, do you think would get more out of Casimir and Amrobat starting together? Mm-hmm. Or should either all of them start with like different pairings? Honestly, for me, I would actually like to see that um, partner, that partnership um, um, grow. Actually, I understand, I understand why maybe um, Eric... T- you know the funny thing is Casemiro just looked a little bit off that game, but I do. Um, I I kind of see it, but at the same time I don't. I don't. I I can't really pinpoint, even though I did mention that it was like a, a clash of we had two bulldozers in there, but I think there was something that Casemiro. I don't know. I think he was beaten. For, I I I don't know, but the way yeah. I'm seeing it, both those players. They need to grow together. I want to actually see them because here's the thing. They are two of the same players, but very, very different. Mm. And when I say this, I say um, in terms of in defensive attributes, they are the same. Um, okay. um, I guess maybe the progression of the boys, where it varies, but then their mentality first is to make sure that they stop any trouble from reaching the final third. That is one thing that we've noticed about them. And they're very aggressive. You know, that's the thing. It didn't look pretty. It looked like there were just so many tackles. And Amrabat is the same. You know, he's a little bit of a... He's not easy on the eye. You know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're playing looked scruffy. It didn't look nice. I, I, You know, it's a weird thing to say, but I, I get it. I saw it. Amrabat is... I don't want to say he's a dirty player, but man, he he is like. Uh, I guess if I say this name, you probably understand what I mean. He's like a Diego, um, Diego Simeone in the terms of yeah. shit housery, and in yeah, a yeah. in a very undercover level, you know, because you've seen a lot of games where he has been pulled. He pulls players, and then somehow he gets away with it. He drags yeah. the ball like in his own way, and then somehow the refs don't see it. He pulls players. He kicks them. Players don't see it and will be like, hey, Amrabat, you kind of got away with that. You kind of yeah. got away with that. And now you have Casemiro, and Casemiro doesn't mind getting booked. Like, if yeah. his team is under pressure and he has to take one for the team, he will take one for the team. So we have yeah. two players who take one for the team at very awkward moments. 
And yeah. I, I don't know where, I don't know how that might be translating to the, to the managers. But honestly, their attributes, what they contribute to the team is immense. Especially now if we consider we don't have Varane and we don't have Martinez, for example. We're dealing with Lin, um, Maguire and Johnny Evans. We assume, I mean, they can hold their own, but then there are going to be difficult games where the weaknesses are going to be spotted. You know what I mean? Where it's going to be like, yeah, no, you got found out. You couldn't keep on using these defenders. You know what I mean? We're going to get caught. We're going to be found out eventually if we keep on using Evans and Maguire. Unless they change. Unless they are like, nah, there's no leakage happening here. But... Having those two, and then you have Amrabat and Casemiro is another safety net. You know what I mean? It just brings yeah. a little bit of calm to know that, okay, fine. If anything, if push comes to shove, if they manage to break through Amrabat and Casemiro, Hades, then um, Maguire and Evans will have to do their thing. But what are the chances of that happening on a regular basis? I don't think so. Especially if the partnership now is blossoming and growing. Uh I only see it going up. I I only see it going up. And you know the funny thing is, D, there were those early yeah. games when they played, when Amrabat was coming in, like making those young cameos. And then you saw the kind of partnership they were sort of building Casemiro and Amrabat when he was playing on the left. And then when he yeah. would come into the midfield, there was this thing that was going on between those two. And we saw it. You know, it's just unfortunate that this Brentford game, something was up. And uh, yeah. yeah, but I only see it growing. I only see it blossoming. The one that All is right. weird or that's taking its time to really blossom is the Mason Mountain Bruno, you know? Yeah. Because, ish, man, Bruno is not settled. My captain is not producing his best games because he keeps being shifted. And it's going to hamper his, his consistency. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, I, I don't know what we're going to do with the Bruno and Mount one, but the Casemiro and Amrabat, if we have defenders to go and deal, like, if, we, like, I don't want a situation to take Amrabat out and put him on the left again. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, if it comes to that, sure. But I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I would rather have a proper player in that position dealing there, and then rather he deals with the other problems that are there, which is the midfield. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I hear you. So yeah, man. Let's speak more, more about the tactics, right? Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, tried something new. You know, a lot of United fans want to see that pairing between Casemiro and Amrabat, and like I said, it just came at a time where we had no other option but to play him there because of our injuries in defense. Yeah. So, um, then of course you mentioned Mount and Bruno. Yeah. So, I sort of feel like. We're gonna get the the more consistency mm. out of Bruno if he starts in that number ten position. Yeah. Because I also believe that him playing out wide and then mounting the ten position yeah. kind of just offsets the balance just a wee bit. Like it just yeah. feels a little bit off. Yeah. So I kind of believe that if Bruno Fernandez starts in that midfield position, as opposed to starting on the right wing, then we have a better chance of getting the most out of Bruno Fernandez. And then I believe that's how that center defensive midfield would work between um, Amrobat and Casimero. Yeah. 
but here's the dilemma because obviously we brought in Mount and we know that Ten Hag is insistent on Mount, yeah. right? And of course, Anthony is back. So is there, I don't know. Again, I bring this question of, do you think he should try and continue with this new setup, mm-hmm. especially after international break? Because mm-hmm. we don't know if the other defenders are going to be available, right, to come and like fill in the other spots. But I don't think that's really going to address the overall issue because we're still struggling to score goals. Yeah. And we believe that we're struggling to score goals because some players are starting that shouldn't be starting and we have players playing out of position, mm. right? Yeah. So we made a prediction saying that if Amrabat's in the midfield, you know, things are going to change. Yeah. Is it safe to say if we predict one more um, instance yeah. and say that if Bruno starts in that number 10 position opposed to Mount yeah. and Mount starts in the seven or Anthony starts in that number seven position because yeah. we did say that when, when Anthony came on, that partnership pairing between him and Dalot was fire. Yeah. You know, we started to get more out of Dalot. Things started to make sense, yeah. you know, yeah. and then have Bruno in the midfield and obviously Rasmus up front and then the Rashford thing, you know what I mean, is debatable, right? Yeah. yeah. So do you believe that um, having that change would make a significant difference? And then also, what does it mean for Mount? You know, like, should we insist on trying to make Mount, you know, fit in or... I want to say worst case scenario, yeah. like he wants to fit in Mount, so maybe he'll try again with the Mount Casimero. Maybe he'll try something new instead of Mount Casimero. He will start Mount Amrobat mm. in that center defensive midfield, mm. and then Bruno ten, Anthony seven, Rashford eleven, Rasmus nine. Ah, you okay? So you see how I see things, you know. Um... Right now, Ericsson Hug is getting comfortable with making his substitutions and stuff. Well, I don't know if he's getting comfortable or if he's like listening to us and everybody else and saying that you need to make more substitutions, but he's doing that. And the players that he's taking off and bringing in, it, it's, it's, it's giving evidence into a lot of things that, that we are seeing as fans. And, yeah. um, I, I guess the pressure is on them, especially from the fans. Like, yo, you guys need to produce. So the manager finds himself in a position where he can kind of rotate a lot of players. Now you're saying that um, you're asking me if what we need to do, if Bruno should come into that number 10 position. 100%. Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes, the Magnifico, is the heart of our team. Whether people like it or not, I know he's not very popular with people because of his Hollywood play style sometimes, but that guy makes things happen when he is comfortable. It is as simple as that. Now we are talking about how who we should build the team on and all that stuff. The problem with Bruno is Bruno wants to play and he will do anything and everything in his power to be on the pitch, even if it means compromising his in I don't want to say his integrity. But it kind of like is because you only get the best out of Bruno when he's playing in the in, in the middle, not up front. So he's kind of like, um, you know, stooping low because now his performance goes down. Mason Mount, just because of his price tag, and that's unfortunate. That's just how things are. It's going to, he might start, he might bench. Honestly, I don't, I don't know 
what the manager, how the manager to, 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 to pick. But the way I see it, like if everybody comes back fit, he's going to try to start going into this whole thing of balance, you know. But then again, it's not going to be very evident on the starting lineup that he picks because we'll start to see Bruno on the right and we're like, okay, how is that balanced? Because we prefer Bruno in the middle and somebody else like Anthony on the right or Mason Mount on the right. You know what I mean? So I think he's just going to... Um, I think we should expect... I'm kind of like expecting a lot of rotation in okay. terms of trying to find that consistency. They're sort of slowly waiting for the guys to get fit that are injured players, then these guys are going to come in. And then he's going to try and... Um, he's going to continue with what he's been doing, basically. But the problem is, Anthony's back. So if Anthony's back, if we don't have any other defender, this is where, like, uh, like any other defender to play left back, this is where the problem becomes. Because then Amrabat will definitely go to that left back position. And if that happens then we're going to see the Bruno, Mount, and Casemiro situation. So it's weird because it's like, if we don't, if, uh, unless the team is, uh, okay, if we're still under this state of no defenders, Mason, Mount, and Bruno are going to play out of position. And if we finally do get that consistency like or we finally get everybody else back Varane, Martinez, Luke Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, the works then there's going to be that thing of okay Amrabat comes into the midfield which means Mason Mount has to go somewhere then now it will be up to the manager whether he did now do you bench Bruno because Anthony is going to have to come to the right or does he does he say nah Anthony I'm going to bench you then I'm going to put Bruno on the right and Mason Mount on the 10. I don't see that happening. I, I see him liking Anthony. And I see him wanting to use that combination of Anthony and Dalot. So he's going to put Anthony in the right, which means he'll play Bruno in that midfield. If Amrabat is not playing left back, then Mount will be in there. But if he's in that midfield, I, see, I, still, I still think this is our strongest midfield. Bruno, Amrabat, and Casemiro. I really do. Now, if you're thinking longevity and for the future, uh, maybe we'll try and get in another midfielder. But then what we have, it is um, because you take out Casemiro from that because you say Casemiro is a lot is aging sort of. So we need somebody who's going to um, his successor. So Amrabat comes in there. Then now we have Amrabat, Mount and Bruno. And then possibly we'll add another midfielder. I don't know who. But we have those youngsters in Kobe Mainu, Dan Gore, uh, maybe um, Eric Ten Hag will decide, let me go into the market and dip into and buy another midfielder. And then we still have the likes of Donny Van de Beek and Scott McTominay and everybody. So, hey, man, <laughs> it is, I don't know, I don't want to say it is a, it is a nice problem, but man, it's going to mess with a lot of people because it's going to be like, why wow, you should have played this player. And then when he doesn't play the player and then plays him one day, and then the player has a good game, like Scott McTominay, then everybody jumps on. You see, he should have started him. Then it's a whole vicious cycle of uncertainties. So yeah. 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 But I honestly, Bruno, Casemiro, Amrabat, that is the midfield. I believe because when you look at the way each, forget the passion. There's that quality and then there's that elite mentality 
that winning mentality. All those three midfielders, I've got this die-hard, never-give-in mentality, even though our, our, our Manifico moans and stuff, but he's always putting in a shift. Yeah, and yeah. you need that. You need them to complement each other. I think they'll, they'll figure it out. I really do believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And, you know, speaking of Kobe Mainu, I think he's a player I'd love to see playing alongside Amrobat. Oof. Man. Um, having Kobe, Amrobat, and then Bruno. And then, you know, Amrobat can take care of the midfield comfortably. And then Minu can drop back in for help. But then we've also seen Kobe's quality on the ball and off the ball is brilliant. You know, he can so I ping see, them. Exactly. He can ping them. So I, I believe mm. that, you know, that midfield trio could really work in our favor when we start to see Kobe Minu back because already we understand he's back in training. Um, yeah. We're still not sure when he's expected to start playing first team football. I hope he will be given an opportunity because, like I said, with the injuries that we have, you know, yeah. it has sort of forced Ten Hag to experiment a lot with that starting yeah. lineup because we haven't seen a consistent starting lineup for the previous five games. And yeah. a lot, yes, is due to injuries. But again, I think it's also a lot to do with I need to try something new because this team is not winning. So he's yeah. sticking with his um, tactics, but he just needs to deploy the right players in the right positions to get the best out of the, the team and the tactics that he wants to deploy. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm hoping for a Kobe Mainu return. And you know, to add on to that Kobe Mainu situation, bro, I don't know, I don't know what you think the relationship of Mainu and uh, and Eric Ten Hag is, but I'm seeing him once he's fit, he's coming back into the team. Obviously, he's going to gradually have to build his his match fitness up, but I don't know because just based on preseason. Did you kind of like see a, 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 a relationship build up there? Even the nice things that the manager is saying. Obviously, every season United have um, we tend to push through an academy player, and I think for this season it, it was going to be Kobe. It's Kobe Mainu. Kobe Mainu is the next graduate to be featuring a lot more, like what Garnacho did last season. Yeah. Now I want to ask you, like, do you? I don't know. I, I, I think I, I, I actually think the kid is going to come in there and really battle it out with the big boys in a very weird way. I don't know. What, what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I agree with you. I share your remarks. Um, I definitely think that Kobe Minu is one player to really watch out for. Um, hey. He showed a lot of good, positive things in the preseason. Um, he's play with the players, you know, quality on the ball, through passes, passing, you know, lovely weighted passes, yeah. you know, defensive duty, offensive duties, you know, chasing down the ball, like his quality. We cannot deny the quality in that boy, you check. Mm. So I mm. do believe that he's a promising prospect for this club moving forward. And he's young, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> truth be told, we have a lot of quality players in this team, but we also have a lot of aging players in this team. Yeah. And because of sort of rebuilding for the future, we always knew that, Getting Casimiro and um, Ferran in this team was just a temporal fix. It was a yes. temporal stopgap. Yes. You know, yes. those positions still need to be replaced. As much yeah. as they're good for our current 100%. team, they still need to be replaced. Same with mm. Ericsson. You know what I mean? So I believe that 
we need to start deploying these youngsters in now, you know, because if they don't get the job done, at least we are 100% guaranteed that we're getting quality off the bench and they don't yeah. need to play 90 minutes. You check. So yeah. Kobe Menu can start with Amrobat. You know, if he's not yeah. doing the things or not having a good game, we can always bring in Casimero and his quality. Yeah. You know One what time. I mean? We can One bring time. in um, Ericsson. You know what? Because mm. if Amrobat and Kobe start, you know, and then we're trying to see off the game, you can bring in that midfield that worked. You bring in Casimero and you bring in Ericsson. You know mm. what I mean? It's a win-win. So I think Ten Hag is slowly, like you mentioned, you know, trying to like bring this academy graduate into the team, knowing that um, there is progress in this team, yeah. you know, but at the same time, we also need to look into the future. We need to build a squad for the future. And as much as these players are good for us now, we know that that time is limited. And we're not saying that they're finished now. They're still good. Mm. They're still quality. They're still but good, yeah. We can still see that, you know, they've lost their yard in them. You know what I mean? Mm. They're not ticking as they were at that prime, but they're mm. still quality. You know, Varane is still fast. You know what mm. I mean? He still makes mm. crisp passes. Defensive duties are still, you know, unbelievable out of this world. You check. Mm. But we don't know how long is going to carry that for. So we can't rely mm. on Varane and Casemiro for the next three, four seasons. You know, mm. they need to be replaced with these up-and-coming mm. young players. But then it's nice to have them on the bench as options for when we do need the experience to come in and see off the game or to get things under control we can still bring them off the bench. And then the young players can also learn off their game as well. So, yeah, yeah man. And I think speaking on players, yeah. um, Onana, the elephant in the room. Before know. we jump on to Onana, All right. just wanted to touch a little bit more. I don't know, this Kobe Mainu situation kind of like just brought in more and more data. Um, you know, I was thinking Kobe Mainu's full return could kind of solve this Mason Mount dilemma in the midfield. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, for example, if now everybody's fit in, how does Eric Ten Hag want to play? And just based on how we had started off the preseason, we could see that he had paired Amrabat, sorry, Casemiro with Maynu, and I think Bruno was our number 10. Or Mason Mount was the number 10 uh, because Bruno wasn't here there, there yet until he yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. So Bruno... The thing is, I think people need to understand that Bruno is our eternal, perpetual number 10. Forget yeah. it. He's not, whether we like it or not, if every position is filled in that Manchester United pitch or starting 11, Bruno occupies the number 10 seat. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, he's going to be there on his ace. So I think if that happens, that's when we're going to have some sort of clarity when it comes to um, Bruno that midfield situation because everybody's wondering Bruno Mount sometimes I'm sure even other games it's going to work like that just going to click it's going to make sense Mason Mount is just going to be making those ridiculous runs Bruno is going to be catching him and all that stuff you know so yeah yeah man yeah 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 but yeah man as you were about to jump into Let's go. Let's jump into the elephant. The elephant. Yeah, man. Yes, man. The elephant hailing from Africa, man. Well, <laughs> like, look, I don't want to write Onano off, okay? But I think yeah. we've stressed this point a lot. Yeah. United fans, right, as much as you want to trust and believe in Onana, a lot of the community, a lot of the fans haven't seen Onana play prior to him yeah. coming into the league. 
maybe the only time most of us got a glimpse of him was during that Champions League final, you know, where we saw him put out his best performance. And we know all players yeah. can have the moments of brilliance, right? You'll see, for example, someone, what it could have been someone's first time watching Scott McTominay, you know what I mean, during that game that we won. And they will just come to a conclusion of why don't United start Scott McTominay? Look what he did for us. Do you understand what I mean? And that's just based off one game, you know? And I don't want to say Onana was good for that one game in the Champions League final. But like I said, every player can just have their moment in the spotlight to shine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, <laughs> you know, and just be this dynamic player, you understand? But yeah, overall, yeah. That, that does not translate to what type of player they, he actually is, you know? Yeah. And I don't like going and seeing highlight reels of players <laughs> because anyone can put a compilation of best moments, but then they leave out like his weak areas in his game. Same thing with Scott yeah. McTominay. Someone can go put a compilation of like his weak moments. Some people can go put a compilation of his great moments. And then yeah. anyone can have their own opinion based on that. But unless you actually watch these players play 90 minutes, through yeah. and through during yeah. a season, then you can yeah. come with a better collective opinion to say, is this player quality or is this the player that we need? So I think Man United um, fans, at this point in time, we just have to accept that we do not know this player, right? As much as maybe some people do, maybe some people watched Serie A and they've got a better opinion or judgment about Onana and they can, you know, whisper sweet things in our ears hey, and tell us that, look, it's, it's going to get better. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Unless they support us from that team. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah. So we, we just don't know what type of a player he is. But so mm. far, he's not doing us any favours in terms of <laughs> allowing, to, allowing us to believe that he's this goalkeeper that we signed him to be, right? The only thing we know is that he's good off the ball, he's good off the ball. And even with that, we've only seen moments of that, you know, quality displayed. But we haven't seen his overall game. You know what I mean? Like, the thing that he's supposed to be doing, first and foremost, is, is something that he's not excelling in, you know? His shot-stopping is appalling because even that game, even that goal that we conceded during the game, I mean, you're just left scratching your head like, Really, dude. Really. I mean, that goal would have been stopped by any keeper in the Premier League. You Even know what Giroud. I mean? Even Even that, I was literally about to say that. <laughs> I was literally about to say, Giroud put on the gloves, fam. And he went and did the job. You know what I mean? Like, clean sheet. Clean sheet, fam. Clean. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, man, that must be like a, a dagger to the heart for wow. Nana to jump online and see such a such a stat, you know, and football is always full of these useless stats that don't even mean anything, you know, it was yeah. one game, you know, so what to read at a clean sheet, it's one game, you know what I mean, but we want to believe that Onana is, is going to be this plan, we're just crossing our fingers that it, it works out, yeah. and that it's not a flop signing, because we paid a lot for him, <laughs> and we let a brilliant keeper go, you know, and yes, De Gea, we're not saying that De Gea wasn't, uh, we're not saying De Gea was perfect, right? He also had his, his flaws and his faults, but De Gea yeah. always pulled through. De Gea always yeah. came yeah. through for us in moments where we desperately needed him, fam. Like, we needed him to pull through, and he pulled through, you check. And Onana, unfortunately, has let us down in so many games where we have needed him to pull through, and he didn't. Because some of these games have literally boiled down to if Onana would have saved that goal or a goal or whatever, 
it could have been the difference between us getting at least a point, you know, at best getting a point instead of a loss or whatever. And he hasn't yeah. come through. Um, so yeah, man, what's your take? Do you think that we should give him the season, you know, and then yeah. judge him afterwards? So should we just bite our tongues for now and just <laughs> keep giving him that hundred percent support and look, you're going to get better. It's going to get better. Or you know what I mean? Or do you think it's time to start reconsidering based on where we are sitting in the premier league and yeah. where we're also sitting in the champions league in terms of the group. Do we need to start giving um, Alta Bineda a chance mm. to come and prove himself, you know, yeah. to come and show that, look, I could be the keeper actually that you need opposed to Onana. You understand what I'm saying? Because we've yeah. seen it so many times where a club has gone and got a keeper and that keeper maybe was good in one league but suffered in another league. You understand what yeah. I mean? Or they were just not the keeper for them. So, um, yeah. W- what are your thoughts on the Onana situation? Bah, let me start off by saying that, you know, we are Manchester United and we always support our, our players. You know, every player that comes on to Manchester United, we try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Hey, yeah. our legend that just left, that just left, didn't have a very good start to his Premier League career at United. It was off to a bumpy start. However, the difference between um, David De Gea and Onana is... could tell that no, this goalkeeper is a goalkeeper. He, he is, is trying to save stuff. Even though he's conceding, he is showing potential, his reflexes. You know, he was stopping a lot of things that could have been problems. Uh, so after that, uh, okay, so you take that into consideration. So every player that comes into Manchester United, you always have to leave room in your heart for them to have this period of giving them a chance because we can't just naturally right now say what we're writing Onana off, you know, he's, 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 ah, he's done. Now we can't do that. You know, he could change things around. He could just start being a, the, um, box commander that we expect him to be the goalkeeper that we bought him to be you know what i mean mm. but so far the evidence is not in his favor things are not looking good on his side he's yeah. letting way too many goals and honestly bro you know every manager i think even in manchester united's career every manager has had that player that they have banked their money like a flop for example, and I'm not trying to say that Onana is a flop. He hasn't yet, yeah. we haven't yet qualified him as a flop. But in my own opinion and the way I'm seeing things, I'm not comfortable with Onana. There's no safety. I don't feel safe with Onana. I like his he's charismatic. You know, he has presence. You know, they say you need to have personality to be a number one at Manchester United, which is very true. Um, but the evidence, man, is just too overwhelming. You know what I mean? And so for me personally, uh, I think this is going to be our manager's flop player. Forget Mount, forget every other guys that have come in. I feel like Onana is going to cause more um, talking points in the um, coming future. 
than anything else. We're going to be headlines with Howlers and him and his attitude. And I'm still seeing a lot of mistakes. Those little stupid things costing us goals. We might win those games, but then you will remember how silly he made the mistake and be like, we don't need this. So he's going to cause a lot of controversy in the United um, fan base, in my opinion. But yeah. I would still encourage people to let's back him. And like you said, yeah. we don't know him. Like we, we never... Yeah. You cannot sit here and start saying, now nah, we watched him at this time. Nah. Yeah. Inter, Inter Milan fans can tell us that Onana's like this because they yeah. watch Inter Milan. We mm. used to watch David De Gea. You know, everybody can tell who their keeper is. Only the fans can tell who their keeper is. Not True. anybody else. Yeah. Not anybody else. So, hey, man. Onana, I have a very big question mark when it comes to him. Yeah. Uh, I'm at a point where I want to start seeing Altai Bende. Mm. I want to see what he offers because the, the the we've brought in two new keepers, D. Two new yeah. goalkeepers. We've got no way to look and start saying that okay, let's bring in um, someone with some familiar um, with some familiarity. familiarity. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah, we don't have that. There are two new goalkeepers, so we might as well start getting Altai Bende so that the fans can see. And have an opinion. And I think the fans, we somehow, our, our opinions have a sway to a certain extent, you know? Yeah. We'll start saying, nah, get in Altai Bendi because he's doing the principal job, the primary job that we want him to do. He's not trying yeah. to be fancy with his feet. Yes, his distribution, his distribution is okay. It's not world class. But we don't need that. You know, we need him to stop goals. We need him to... First and foremost. Yeah, we need him to block shots, free kicks. Those yeah. set pieces, the stupid goals we have been conceding thus far. We need somebody yeah. to stop that. But we haven't seen Alte. You know what I mean? So we don't know. I yeah. saw I saw them um, like on YouTube, you know, compilations of him. He looks good. But again, it's like... Once he's on, like, once he's wearing United colors and he's by himself on that goalpost with the fans behind him, you know, at Old Trafford, it's a different ball game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I Eric Ten Hag's um, scrutiny is going to be, is going to stem from Onana. Yeah, most of it is going to stem from Onana. That's that's how I see things. Unless something miraculous changes, Onana starts doing, becoming becoming David Dyer or Van der Sa-esque or yeah. Schmeichel esque. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But right now, man, I am not happy. And I was vocal. I told you, I want yeah. to see changes. I'm at that point where I want to see the other option that we have because uh uh-uh, uh this yeah. right now uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, because here's another thing, D. You 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 add all that into how right now United are not scoring. Mm. Then now, okay, fine, we're not scoring. Rather, the game ends zero zero, rather, or one one or one nil, not three nil, four one. Yeah, and we yeah. concede more than we score. You know, yeah. so if we can just stop that little issue, hey, I don't know. Yeah, but again. Eric, the gaffer is going to die by his sword. He's paid yeah. a lot of money. He got rid of an iconic goalkeeper. So he has to fall on his sword. He has to lay in the bed that he has laid. 
And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that will look. There. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. We need to give him our support. But at the end of the day, we bought two keepers. And there's no point of keeping Altai on the bench. You know, yeah. he needs to feature. Whether that's going to be in FA Cup games, Taraboa <laughs> games, we need to see his game. We also need to understand what type of a keeper he is. Because the last yeah. thing we want is Onana gets injured, Altai comes in, and he's not the goalkeeper that we thought he was. You know, and yeah. doesn't do the business. And now we're stuck with a keeper that we have no use for. So I think he should start getting a round of games. And I know obviously Ten Hag wants to build on Anna's confidence and keep on starting him until he gets it right. But at some point, outside also needs to get some game time. And then yeah. speaking back to the, the De Gea thing, you know, mm. I think also another difference we can highlight is that mm. when De Gea, De Gea came through, right, mm. I don't think he had that much pressure as Onana because when oh, De Gea yeah. came through, he came through very young, you know, Yes, we were frustrated, but we also did understand that he was a project for the future. You understand? Yeah. So I think there's more lenience because we said we want to give him time to grow into this role and we want to see that progression. So but he sort did, of had that time. Now, sorry? Did you not pull your hair in the beginning? I did. I, I, I did. And I admit so. I, I, I did. Yeah. I, I haven't admitted in one of the episodes that we with yeah. Dave in the beginning. It was rough. You understand? Yeah. And, I, and I immediately come out and say it. But yeah. the only reason is because expectations were very high. Because at that yeah. time, we were a top-level club. We didn't want to accept anything less than that from the players. When you're yeah. coming in, you're coming in as a top-level player. But we trusted the gaffer. You understand yeah. what I mean? He saw something in Dave. We sort of came to this realization that, look, there's no other keeper option. We're going to trust in him. And, you know, surely um, enough, Dave, you know, came and started proving the fans, you know, wrong about their opinions. Yeah. And he had time to mature into that role. Now, when yeah. you look at Onana, he's coming in as a more mature, a more complete, a more experienced keeper. De Gea came in as a rookie keeper, you understand? Whereas yeah. Onana is coming as this tried and tested and proven keeper. So that's what we expected. We're like, you have been exactly. this. You have been at Barca, exactly. you have been at Inter, you have worked with Ten Hag. You understand yeah. what I mean? So yeah. the expectation of of Onana versus the expectation of David De Gea are two different, True. right? You're so we ex- yeah, we're expecting you to be doing it straight off the bat. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of weird, you know, us saying that, oh, he still needs to develop and get into his... No, 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 no. He's a developed keeper. You understand what yeah, I mean? Exactly, right now, he yeah. should be shining at his prime. Yeah, you know, when, yeah, when Dave was yeah. 25, I think Onana is 25, when Dave was 25, he peaked. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was doing the things. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So, when you look at De Gea at 25, and I think that's how people should compare it, right? Yeah. When De Gea eventually got into his stride, when he became that, you know, experienced goalkeeper, that seasoned goalkeeper, his level of goalkeeping is much higher, or was much higher than what Onana's current goalkeeping level is at. You understand? Minus goal distribution. You understand what I mean? And even at that time, his goal distribution wasn't really of importance and it really didn't factor into anything. <laughs> and also at that time, what saved us a lot was that regardless of De Gea playing poorly, we're still winning games. We still had the ability to consider and go score games and win, right? Yeah, so yes, yeah. it was bad, but it wasn't bad to the extent where it was taking a hit on our position on the table in the league, in championships, in tournaments. Whereas Onana is directly influencing our position in the table, in the other tournaments and in Europe. You understand? Mm. So I think mm. that's why there's much more scrutiny. There's much more um, urgency for him to get his act together because 
we can't continue at this rate. Otherwise, we want to find ourselves in a relegation battle. Yeah. And we don't need that. So unfortunately, unfortunately for him, the stakes are way much higher than they were for David De Gea. You yeah. check what I'm saying. So in his situation, he has no choice but to figure it out fast. You know what I mean? Because where this team is going through a rebuild process, and unfortunately, if you're coming in as this experienced player, that's exactly what we're expecting. The same way yeah. when Ronaldo yeah. came, we expected him, expect him to do his Ronaldo things, and he did his Ronaldo things. When Casemiro came, we expected him to do his Casemiro things, he did it. And Varane, same thing. These players are experienced, um, title-winning players, etc., etc. We expected nothing less, and they gave us nothing less. You understand? So with yeah. Onana, it's the same situation, right? You went there, you did the business at Inter. We expect you to come and do the business here. No excuses. You understand? But with that being said, obviously we're still gonna give him full support, and yeah. you know we hope that. I don't wanna. I don't wanna hear this thing of develop, get better. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna count it. So I'm gonna count this as his off form. You know what I mean? He needs to get back yeah. on form. Yeah. When he gets yeah. back on form, then we need to see this Onana that everyone has been preaching about. You understand? Yeah. And then, unfortunately, if we're not gonna see it we need to start making changes. We need to see what Altai can bring to the table. So, yeah, man, I think that's enough said on Onana. Um, yeah, obviously, there's, there's much more that we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, I want to jump straight into the, the Sancho situation because yeah. um, it looks like nothing is getting better. Um, they still urge for him to go and apologize, but it sort of seems like that time has already passed and there's already a lot yeah. of rumors circulating about him leaving in January and replacements coming in. And I saw an article about a swap deal with Mason. Mason back early in January as opposed to next season. You know, Mason obviously went and, and scored that goal for Gattafi, you know, 10 men down, you know, <laughs> he was the hero of the game. So, you know, Greenwood's getting back, you know, he's getting back into his play. He's getting back into his, his, his we, thing. We will know? jump on Greenwood. We will jump yeah, on Yeah, we'll jump on Greenwood. So yeah, let's talk yeah. about the Sancho thing. So yeah. obviously we watched the documentary. You know, we're going to have a full episode on the documentary, by the way, just to like explore more into it. But for mm. now, right, mm. we saw a documentary, we saw Beckham, um, you know, the trials and tribulations that he went through at Man United and then, you know, conflict with the manager that ultimately, you know, had him pushed out of the club, right? Yeah. Similar yeah. situation with Jaden Sancho, because, you know, in the documentary, they spoke about Beckham being a very stubborn player. You know, yeah. that one moment where um, he came into the training ground with his cap and Freddie <laughs> was like, take off the cap and, and Beckham nah. turned sat. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? What I mean? That unruly behavior. But yeah. again, the difference is Beckham did the business on the pitch. It's like, I, I don't, I don't want to condone it, but I can sort of say here that like, ground to stand on to be a little bit stubborn and cocky with the manager. He's like, look, yeah. leave, let me do me. When yeah. I get on that pitch, I'll, I'll deliver. Do you understand yeah. what I mean? So I guess yeah. maybe the bigger problem here is that Sancho, like, what are you being stubborn for? You're not mm. delivering on the pitch. Mm. You know? Like, mm. again, not to condone it, but like, mm. Beckham had the, the leverage to go he had the be, leverage. He had the yeah. leverage to go and be stubborn. He had the leverage to go and challenge the manager. <laughs> you yeah. But ultimately, I think the lesson that we can take from it is that no player is bigger than the club. Because yeah. that stubbornness was Beckham's ultimate downfall in terms of him getting um, pushed out of the club. And mm. now we're seeing that with Sancho, right? And then mm. obviously the situation at, at Real Madrid with the manager again. And then, 
you know, he was brought back into the team and he actually made a difference to how Real Madrid ended off their season. So mm-hmm. do you think that Sancho has that sort of similar impact in this team? Do you think that he's a player that, like, can patch things up with the manager mm-hmm. and can actually come and make a difference into this team? Or, like, is it worth giving it a chance? Is it worth Sancho sort of having a Beckham moment coming mm-hmm. into this team and being like, you see, you need me. You understand what I mean? Deal with yeah. my stubbornness, but mm. you need me. Let me be stubborn. I'll come and deliver, you know? Mm. Or is it that case of he just needs to be moved on? Like, he's, he hasn't done enough for him to, <laughs> you know what I mean, to validate that stubbornness. Like, fam, <laughs> I get your stubborn. We get your quality. But you, unfortunately, you just haven't been doing it. You haven't been doing mm. it for us. So mm. what, what do you think with the central thing, man? Do you think... Hey, he should man. just leave in January. Because now, obviously, the January thing, they're talking about him going out on loan, right? Mm. It's, it's a loan mm. thing on January. Go out there, continue playing football, you know, come back with a straight head, and we'll, we'll rethink it at the end of the season. So almost not to make a hasty decision to say, get out of the club, but it's more of, look, we just need space between us right now. Because right now, it's a mm. bit toxic. Maybe let's separate for a minute. Go continue playing football. Stay on form. Go and prove to us out there that... You have reason to believe that this season I'm on it. I'm on one. You understand? You need to see it. So I think a lone move will be more beneficial to Sancho than anything else. And maybe also to Ten Hag. Because he can go out there and prove that this season I'm ready for football. You understand? Mm. Give me one more chance. So I see that's the only way he can sort of redeem himself. Because I think it has gone too far that he can't redeem himself in this team. To come and mm. say, come and redeem yourself. He has to redeem himself outside and then... Re- everything gets re- um, rethought about, right? As mm. opposed to him staying and just not playing football at all. And then we make a hasty decision, get rid of him in January, and then we end up regretting it. You understand? So, mm. yeah, man, what's your take? What, do you think you should go out on loan? Should we sell him? What, what's your, your take on this whole thing? Hey, man, this question was so big. I think it's like yeah. five minutes big. <laughs> <laughs> However, it is so juicy. Like, the more you kept on diving in, the more I just... Yeah couldn't contain myself so you know this Sancho and the Beckham situation there are so many similarities and also so much contradiction to this whole thing like there's so many okay let me just dive into them so you know like with Beckham and and, and Fergie one thing we need to also remember is that their relationship was actually even deeper than what we've got going on right now that's one thing to kind of like point out was like a father-son thing beckham only did that to say alex ferguson because he could do it not yeah he was being petulant like that's my dad like he's trying to control me here yeah yeah, yeah. that's very normal (laughs) that's very very normal however like you said beckham backed himself all day every day yes now um i'll give the example of when he was at real madrid he was axed from the team because of some very stupid misunderstanding. Capello yeah. benches him. He, 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 he sidelines him. Literally what exiled, um, literally what Sancho is going through. Yeah. He tells him to train on his own. And Papa Bex just puts his head down and trains and trains and trains yeah. and trains every day. That is the mentality of them boys back in the days. Yep. The mentality of Mandem back in the days, bro. Mm, mm. Mandem these days are not the same. Mandem these days are weak, bro. 
Look mm. at this. You're not being considered to start, yet you're just going to train every day. You know, even yeah. the manager was feeling bad. You know, there was a yeah. clip of the manager show, watching Beckham run with the assistant. And yes. you could see, my head, I was like, nah, man, you are touched. Yeah, Your yeah. Touched. <laughs> bring the guy in. Yeah. And Beckham comes in, and Real Madrid win the La Liga. Yeah. He contributes. He, he literally changed win. the season for them. Yeah. Sancho is exiled. He's in an opportunity, he's in a situation where this whole thing could have been put to bed. Because I know Eric Ten Hag is a professional. He's not going to hold a grudge against a player. He's always yeah. going to allow you to do your job. Play, train hard, show me, you will play. So I don't think he was going to continue this vendetta with Sancho. So Sancho yeah. is the one who has chosen to go down this path. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, the way I see things, this is it. Whether he yeah. stays, whether he goes on loan, what nothing is going to work with Sancho. He's, yeah. His firmness right now, the way he's standing by himself and continuing to be trained by himself or whatever, saying that he's not going and that he's going to go in January and stuff. Bruh, it's, it's late. And like you said, it has gone too far. There's wait, they've waited way too long to get the pleasantries out. It's yeah. now just like if 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 they do get into that part, it's just like, are you guys doing this for show or what? Like where are yeah. we at? And to make matters worse, Sancho has not proven himself yet in a United jersey. That is his downfall. If yeah. he put in the numbers that David Beckham had done, or won games like how Beckham did, or boost the team, or anything like that, close to that, you know, at least provide. Last season, provide double digits in both goals, double digit assists. Maybe we could say there is an argument to be had, but yeah. there is absolutely dolo low, nothing, yeah, nothing that this guy can do to to change to change anything. And the way I see it, man, I am get rid of him. Good riddance. Our days, it didn't work out. You know, the best part of Sancho was the part when we were waiting for him when we were. Mm were linked to getting him in, the way we were excited, the way we went mad in thinking like, yeah, we're getting yeah. an ace. This guy yeah. is going to come and terrorize people. Yeah. Dololo. So, <laughs> man, with Sancho, Sancho can do what he wants to do for me at this point. For me, it's a point of no return. I haven't seen um, the reports linking him with Mason Greenwood. Um, however, I did see a link to Juventus and I found the link very, the swap deal very suspicious because we're linked with, uh, Federico Chiesa. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. Really? Like, is, are you going to let go of Chiesa? Yeah. In what planet are we for living Sancho. in? Yeah, for Sancho. A After what he's player. done at, at Man United, like which manager ah. is going to want to bring that up on board? Bro, Chiesa has just taken over. He's just done the number seven. Like, he's mm. an important player for Juventus. In which fantasy world are we living that these guys can actually get Keza in January? Yeah. Come on. Are we taking a piss? <laughs> nah. Nah, 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 nah. It's not happening. So, yeah. and the Greenwood one, I don't know. It could be, you know? Because, I mean, yes, he scored. And I don't want people to get too excited because Greenwood, brah, uh, based on what I've watched, he's still far. 
yeah. he's far from green, like the greenwood that we know. Yeah. He lost a lot of weight and he gets tired. You know, he comes on his cameos. He, may, he comes yeah. on second half. And even in those second halves, he doesn't last like he used to. So yeah. there's still a long road for Mason Greenwood. However, the goal is a boost because for every striker, goals, they bring you back to normal fast yeah. compared yeah. to other. Yeah. So it's a very good start with his goal, even though it wasn't a, 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 a it was a tight angle one, you know. Some yeah. players miss those kind of goals, but he buried yeah. it normally, and I'm happy. Um, I've said it in on, on our podcast, the first episode, I think second. Yeah, I'm like, I can't wait to see a Mason Greenwood return. Yeah. I know it's not being said. It looks like Mason Greenwood is gone for good, but I am got fingers crossed. I'm really watching him this season. I'm yeah. really, yeah. yeah. And if he does come back. Oh, D. Yeah. <sighs> Come yeah. on, you know, you know, you no, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That boy yeah. is going to add more yeah. flavor, you know, and True. it's going to be another headache because we are also going to go mad because I'll be like, Eric, you need to start Greenwood. Hey, why are you not starting him? Eh, 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 eh. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But no, for Sancho, it's a wrap. Yeah. Sancho, Sancho has written his ticket out of Manchester United with this very small but big situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want him gone. And apparently um, him being not, him not being there has sort of improved everybody, which emphasizes our little theory of um, 18 players. You know, if you have that one player who is just not in the right state of mind with everybody else or in the same wavelength with everybody else, he tends to bring some sort of energy. And apparently yeah. he was bringing that energy. I think when they say that, they mean his constant um, retaliation is sort of like it's making the players disappointed in him. Not necessarily yeah. like they don't believe in his quality. No, they're just disappointed that, man, can we solve this thing? Why are you yeah. being like this? Come back to the team. We need you. Yeah, are, you know what I mean. I think in that sense. So yeah, yeah man, Sancho. Hey, man. I I, I don't even want to. I can't even say it was nice while it lasted because. Mm. What 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 was nice? Yeah. Tell me. Focal. Yeah. Injury. Yeah. He had to go for a sabbatical. He went for holiday. Dog. Hades, Hades. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you, and you know, I I really like Sancho as a player, Ish. and I just really hope that it works out for him wherever yeah. he goes. If if yeah. if it does end up, um, him, you know, this the situation ends up um, with him leaving the club. I really hope that it does, you know, work out in the end for him. And you know, one thing I just hope Sancho can do is that if mm. his time is really over. Yeah. Right, and he knows that he's not gonna play for the team and whatever. I think yeah. the the least he can do before leaving is just you know come out publicly and just you know whether it's a tweet or whatever and just apologize. How? How? And how? No, I get it, but what I'm just saying is that to save his career, yeah. the least he can do is like, look, I went too far. I messed up. I accept that I'm not gonna play for this team anymore. I mm. just want to. Um, leave with a clear conscience, leave with a clear mind. I don't want to leave with hate, hatred and whatever. 
you know, let's at least have come to an understanding, have a sit down, have a lunch and say, look, um, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm not coming to you because I want back in the team. You understand what I mean? I, I just want to leave like with, with peace. You know what I mean? I, I yeah, <laughs> you know, just go there, have a nice roast on a Sunday, and just be like, "Yo, fam, as yeah. adi, bradi." You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was hurt. I was yeah. hurt. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, like how London, uh, um, London Donovan, um, yeah, Beckham, like hardy fam. But you left, fam. You yeah, left. but you left, bro. You left. <laughs> we needed you. We and needed you, just, you. And you just dipped. You understand what I mean? And Beckham is like, "Yeah, fam, I understand." You know what I mean? Like yeah. they came to some mutual understanding and it, and it worked out positively for Bex and, 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 and Donovan at the end of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm also hoping for that sort of situation that, you know, Sancho can come to Ten Hag and say, look, I know it's gone too far. Um, you don't have to accept my apology or whatever, but I just want to come out and say Askis. You understand? I think, that would, I think that would do like a lot for him moving forward. I think yeah. other clubs and managers can be like, you know what, exactly. he admitted to his fault, he went too far, nothing can be done. You know, hopefully, you know, you learn from these lessons, life lessons. You know, everyone is, everyone is obliged to a second chance. We talked about the Mason Greenwood, you know, being obliged to a second chance. You know, why yeah. should Machuco um, uh, Sancho not be allowed that same, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So you should just leave with, with everything settled, you know, and yeah, leave the club on good terms. You know, we yeah. don't want him leaving on bad terms. And nice. yeah, man, I think even just lastly, just to touch on the Mason Mount thing, Mason yeah. Greenwood, sorry, like yeah. like you pointed out, like he's 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 still far from the player wow. that he was. And I think yeah. that's something we touched on like early on when we started this podcast to say, yeah. like, I know a lot of United fans want him back in the team, but he's not that same Greenwood. He's not. Left. So I'm actually happy that he never came back. And actually, actually went I mean? a level above him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You see? So and it's that, actually a good thing. Yeah. And like at that time, obviously we didn't see it and understand it. So it's yeah. a good thing that it, it took for him to leave the club and people to watch him from the outside to actually yeah. come to the realization that, you know what, actually it wasn't yet time. You understand? Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, he's still receiving that scrutiny you know, in Spain, you know. Yeah. So we should also um, understand that when he gets back to the club, if ever that ha- will happen or when it does happen, you know, we shouldn't expect things to die down. Yeah. You know, we should, yeah. I mean, again, making a reference to the Beckham documentary, you know, when he messed up in the World Cup, look at how many months that thing dragged on ah. the abuse that he ah. got. You understand what and I mean? abuse back then was Dude, serious. you check what I'm saying. And in today's world, I don't want to make comparisons, but I want to say it's worse because at least with in the Beckham era, it was just maybe TV tabloids, you know. Nowadays, it's everywhere because you're on social media. You open your social media, people are trolling you. You go to the stadiums, people are trolling. You can't escape it. So at least in, in the Beckham time, if you wanted some sort of peace or solace, at least you could go home and have that peace. You know what I mean? Now it's, people it's worse. spitting at him. Yes, in the streets. Hanging you know? mannequins, bruh. Dude, See that oh, shit, bro. man, that was... Live. Fam. That was intense. This was social intense. social media is not a real place, bro. It's just yeah. those same people who are scared now to face these guys face-to-face. Exactly. They go on social media. Exactly. Bro, last, exactly. Back then, bro, hey, man. Yeah, it was bruh. deep, man. It you, was you, deep. And remember, remember we, we, we talked about the headlines there in the UK. You even gave me yeah. some examples 
of Ten Ah, you know. Yeah. yeah. See the ones that they used to dish out back in the days. Yeah. Ah, man, they were brutal. They were they brutal. Were brutal. Yeah, and that man. Was their social media. Yeah, they man. Go I... online and start talking. Yeah, you read that. You walk in the street. Everybody's reading that. If you're walking Dude. past, everybody's like, "Piss off, for you." Well, you know, something. Yeah. and yeah. you know like it's it's that documentary now yeah. i think also one of the biggest thing that it opened up my heart to my eyes and not to say i've been a troll or you know sometimes you just say things carelessly yes. and you don't actually understand yes. the impact it has on the players so one, for ah, you know to go dude. behind the scenes and see how it ah, actually affects these guys and for you to actually like remember it sort of like brings you down to earth and see, yes. like, these guys are human beings, man. Human you know what I mean? Beings, you can't man. go out there and just be trolling and think there are not going to be any consequences beyond that. So yeah. I think, if anything, especially United fans, you know, um, you know, like how we like trolling on Maguire and stuff and whatever, you know, and I know this community, we did stipulate that, look, this community is all about upliftment. You know, yes, yeah. we can be angry at you, whatever, but we'll never promote go and troll, go and hate, you understand? Yeah. Yes, we may joke here and there, but I think it's just a, a lesson to all that there's limitations. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 Especially normal to get frustrated, public. but don't you know I mean? yeah, don't don't Rather don't go the extra mile. Yeah, yeah, keep it to yourself. Don't go the extra mile and make people's life a, a living hell. You understand mm. what I mean? Like at the end of the day, everyone wants a peace of mind. Everyone wants peace. You know, and when you yeah. disrupt peace, it, it's it's not healthy for anybody, for yourself or for the person you're inflicting it on. It's not healthy when when you go out there and you, you know you throw and banter um, players like that. So yeah, man. But otherwise, with that being said, I don't know if there's anything else you'd want us to touch. Nah, man. Not really. Not really. We've got a lot of nice, exciting episodes coming up for our people. That's yeah. all I can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. We've got some nice things planned for them, so yeah, they should keep an eye out for that if they're really enjoying our content. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but um, obviously we've made a lot of references to the Beckham documentary. I urge a lot of you guys, if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. Go on Netflix. If you don't have a Netflix account, go sign up. We'll have a link to a net to Netflix on our website. You can go there, click on it. You know, jump on. Yeah. Um, go and watch the Beckham documentary. It's it's a good watch if you're you mm -hmm. know a United fan and you want to get a glimpse into some of the history with the club and also into the history of one of our greatest players of all time, mm. you know, mm. who went out there and was an ambassador for us, you know, mm. beyond the club. And, mm. you know, it really showed the quality at that time that was coming out of this club and that mm. we could take out there into the world and really represent mm. and still stay faithful to the club mm. that gave them an opportunity, to the club Bro. that gave them up. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The club that gave them the opportunity to go and, and for them to go out there and still come back and say, you know, I respect this club where I started from. And, you yeah. know, this, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but I did hear, the, you know, the rumors of Beckham, you know, hey. trying to do something hey. with the club, you know. Hey. <laughs> with the Qataris. Hey, you know, that's what I'm saying. That, that would be if, brilliant, man. That would, right, if, if Daddy, if that if came Daddy makes that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 The respect level for him. Uh, I don't even know what to do, what to call it. Elite <laughs> respect or... World class respect, I don't know, but I'll be yeah. right up there. Right 100%. up there. 100%. Now, that guy's a true ambassador, a true he professional. He is everything the club represents mm. in and out. 
family mm. man, hard worker. You know, one of the things that made me laugh, and yeah. I was even like, I even almost came into tears, was when he was talking about how he liked having a manager that's hard, like yes. a strict authoritarian, yeah. you know. Yes. And I'm like, what? You know, even me myself, I like that as a yeah. player, youngster. Yeah. I like that yeah. person really. Bruh, when you don't have a coach talking to mm. you, bruh, it is a problem. True. It is a problem. You should know that you are not important. Unless you are yeah. Messi and Ronaldo and yeah. the coach just knows that whether he talks to you or not, you are yeah. still going to bring your A game. Yeah. So he your self-motivation is beyond. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but everybody else, you, yeah. know, you need your manager to, to say something, to whisper something to you. And yeah. Beckham was like, I love that. I love that strictness. Exactly. Yeah, I look at Manchester United. I just go back, Paul Pogba. Mm. I go back, all these other guys. And I'm just like, ish. Dude. How we have, like, how that mentality has just dis- disappeared or dissipated as it has yeah. gone, like, over the years. Yeah. And I really think that the new generation, like, they need to watch these things yeah. so that they can. You're not going to go there and emulate David Beckham. Nah, you're not True. going to be him. He has already done stuff way yeah. beyond you, your wildest imagination. Yeah. You kids will never achieve the stuff that he has achieved. What you're trying to achieve is the mentality. Yes. You're, trying to, you're trying to emulate what his professionalism. That's mm. all. Mm. That's all. Just go and yeah. listen to him. How do I work yeah. hard? How do I deal exactly. with criticism? You saw, bruh. I don't know. In that documentary, you watched Beckham be, from a boy turn yeah. into a fucking man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that Champions League game, he's taking over. Bruh, you know what? Let me stop right there. We'll, we'll it, save it. Talk. We'll save it for the episode. We'll save Man. it because I, I also have a I, lot to say. And I think it's, it's like, like we're giving out a little bit here and there, here and yeah, there. Let's just yeah, save it for, yeah, for, yeah. for that episode. I was but, carried away there. Yeah, it's yeah. No, so I hear good. you. We'll, we'll so break good. it down. We'll break it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, man, um, any last remarks before we close off this episode? Nah, Pastor D, just wrap it up for us, my guy. All right. And with that being said, thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Glory Reds podcast. <laughs> you can catch us on your favorite podcasting listening platforms on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Speakers, Zencaster. You know, catch us everywhere. You know where to find us. Or Glory Reds FC on all their accounts. You can go to our website, gloryredsfc.co.uk. You can find our latest blog articles over there. Go to our community page. You can join our WhatsApp group where we are constantly having all these nice conversations about football, the club, you know, the team, everything, you know. Go follow our social media accounts, you know, for our latest updates, news, and whatever is going on. And don't forget, we also have our Fantasy Football League. Please go and join it. You know, we'd love to have a lot of you guys involved in that league, you know what I mean? So it's something that we can also talk about and, you know, we can have a little bit of some fun you know, try yeah. competing against each other in that league. But yeah, with that being and, said, uh-huh. and don't forget, um, we're gonna start. We're gonna be sharing our betting platforms with them. Just oh to yes, get yes. Sort of exclusive on what we are doing behind the scenes. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. For you guys, for you football lovers, you know who want to make a little bit of some ching chatter on the side. You know, um, we'll have a short um preview on one of our episodes and we'll also have an article on the website some of you guys want to get into betting remember bet responsibly 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it carelessly, you know. Don't yeah. go and sacrifice um, rent money, you know, food money, yeah. you know. Responsibly, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's addictive, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's also a, a nice source of revenue just for, like, petty cash that you want on the side to have some fun. And, you know, get get some cash so one day you can buy yourself a ticket to go to Old Trafford, you know what I mean, and watch it. One time. You understand what I mean, you know. Yeah. It's all about the fun, you know. Don't, don't be an addict. So, yeah, with all that being said, thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Koi Reds FC podcast. And we'll catch y'all in the next one. And with that, we are out. Peace. Peace.